On this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast, we're going to be talking about the Satanic Temple and the After School Satan Club that is going to be happening in Memphis, Tennessee, and it has caused quite the stir up on social media. I want to talk about it from a biblical perspective and also how we got to this point. I think you'll be maybe even frustrated with me by the time this is over with. You'll just have to listen to find out right now on the Doctor Matters Podcast. Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Well, welcome to this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast. As mentioned in the intro, we're going to be talking about something that has taken social media by storm and even to local newsrooms all across the country where this has been pushed out and really uh, just been quite the controversy on one hand and really rallied around and praised on the other hand. And what I'm talking about, if you haven't seen it, is that the Satanic Temple is putting out a, an after-school Satan club at Chimney Rock Elementary. And I believe this is, it is in Memphis. It's in Shelby County Schools. So we're going to be talking about that today and what that looks like. So first of all, let's just look at this. I want to, I kind of want to read to you the actual post by the Satanic Temple that was put up one day ago. I'm going to pull it up on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, you may have seen this picture. And uh, let me just read the post first. First, it says, After School Satan Club is coming to Tennessee. The state's first After School Satan Club will launch on January the 10th at Chimney Rock Elementary. ASSC volunteers are ready to create a fun and inviting place for students to learn and make new friends. If you are in the area and would like your student to join in the fun, please complete the e-permission slip here. If you'd like to help provide needed supplies for Tennessee's first ASSC, please visit our Amazon wish list here. Support your favorite after-school club. And then uh, the picture here, um, it says, after-school Satan club is coming to Tennessee, and uh, benevolence and empathy, critical thinking, problem-solving, creative expression, personal sovereignty, and compassion is what the very little letters say underneath the Satan club. And then it says, hey, kids, let's have fun at after-school Satan club. The Satanic Temple is a non-theistic religion that views Satan as a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit. After School Satan Club does not attempt to convert children to any religious ideology. Instead, the Satanic Temple supports the children to think for themselves. All After School Satan Clubs are based on activities centered around the seven fundamental tenets and emphasize scientific, rationalist, non-superstitious worldview. It says science projects, community service projects, puzzles and games, nature activities, arts and crafts, and snacks. And this is going to be held at Chimney Rock Elementary School in Memphis, Tennessee. This is sponsored by the Satanic Temple and Reason Alliance. And this activity is not endorsed or sponsored by Memphis Shelby County Schools, although Memphis Shelby County Schools are allowing them to have this in their local elementary school 
This is going to happen at 8601 Chimney Rock Boulevard in Cordova, Tennessee. And that's Cordova is just a, um, a part of Memphis. If you're familiar with the Memphis area, there's Cordova, Covington, um, Bartlett, all sorts of little uh, communities surrounding Memphis. So ultimately, it's part of Shelby County and, and Memphis, the Memphis area. But it's going to happen at 8601 Chimney Rock Boulevard in Cordova, Tennessee. And the start time is going to be from 4.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. And it's going to be held, of all places, in the local library. And isn't the library one of those places that have been part of the ongoing discussion about what type of books should be in libraries all across the country, in, in schools and in public libraries in the kids' sections where there's been a lot of talk and pushback and debate about the, the type of books that are available to children and what they see in those books, what they read in those books that are just uh, really just terrible in and of itself. But it's just fitting that they would have a satanic after school club in the library. So with that being said, that that's that's the thing that's going on. And then there's some ways that you can sign up. And again, this is happening on January 10th of 2024. So a little less than a month from now, they will be doing their first Satan Club at Chimney Rock Elementary School. Now, let's just read some of the comments here. Didn't know this was a thing. Cool, it's going to be so close. Wish mine were old enough. I think all religions deserve equal respect, so I love this. Um, I love it. The satanic tenets are beautiful. And we're going to get into those satanic tenets. And we're going to look at something that's very interesting, in my opinion. And you may find it to be very interesting in your opinion as well. This is a fantastic idea, Thomas says. And an inspiration for teachers and good parents alike. Uh, my husband and I took our children to a TST event in our area, and they had so much fun. They were able to learn about geology and, geology and reptiles and masks as the event was around Halloween time. I think it's a lot of fun to learn, and I think it's funny that people freak out about the name. Happy learning. This is a joke, somebody says, praying for y'all. Yeah, they need to have prayer. Uh, Amanda Enoch sounds like, uh, she sounds like a great club to her. Um, Maria says, wish we could start a chapter in Buffalo. Teddy says, yay. Ronnie says, nice. Uh, can't wait to donate. Mo Alexander says, Rachel Green says, great. Tyler Stewart says, this is cool. And then Sparkle Power says, hell yeah. H-A-I-L. Um, Carl, uh, I don't know how you say her name, but she says, love to see this. Does my child have to go to the school to be able to join? Chelsea says. Um, let's see. Uh, awesome. Thanks for giving back to the community. I love this concept. Keep up the good work, y'all. I love it. I hope one is in Indiana by the time my son's old enough. If you actually read the description, this is an amazing program to offer. I very much respect this organization. Thank you for coming to Tennessee, Jamie Haley says. And uh, Mark says right on. And this is just a few of the comments that you see from people all across America that love the idea of this coming to their town and they would like to they'd like for it to be in their own town as well they want to start a chapter in buffalo as you read and this is very troubling but i have to be honest with you i can't say that we didn't see it coming now i'll, I'll unfold with you what i mean by that here in just a few minutes but let me just share the screen again here and let's look at the seven fundamental tenets of this Satanist organization, and let's just let's just uh, have a go with this. So, 
these are the seven fundamental tenets. And if you remember, one of the comments under there was that the seven fundamental tenets of Satanism are so beautiful. Well, I'm going to tell you from the get go, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got my Bible open. If you, you may see it here, if you're watching, I'm going to actually physically turn to these scriptures that I'm going to put out there for you as we look at these. And I'm only going to do one, maybe two scriptures per tenet, because here's the deal. These seven fundamental tenets of Satanism borrow from the Christian worldview. They have to. These are nothing in and of themselves that are, quote unquote, brand new. These are borrowed from the Christian worldview. And, and there's no there's reason for that is because Satan kicked out of heaven. Uh, he knew what was going on. He knew all about God. He knew he knows all about God. Now he knows doctrine better than we do. So even the first humanist that ever was understands that he himself could not form any new tenets or any new ideologies on his own. He had to borrow from the Christian worldview. I recently heard R.C. Sproul talking about the first humanist, and I can't remember the person's name that he mentioned, but uh, he said, actually, the first humanist came long, long ago, and that was Satan in the garden when he told them they'd be like God, told Adam and Eve they'd be like God. So he's the first humanist. And this this is simply humanism, what Satanism is trying to unfold, and these seven tenets are trying to unfold. It's just humanistic worldview that borrows from the Christian worldview. So you can't even have Satanism without a Christian worldview. And many Satanists are going to disagree with me, but I hope to, in the next few minutes, unpack this very briefly from the scriptures themselves. So I mentioned that I have my, my own Bible paper copy here in front of me. I could have put them up on the screen. I could have had them all ready one by one so I wouldn't have to turn to it. But there's something about uh, what I've heard to be the Baptist air conditioner when those pages turn in a Bible. I love it. But we want to simply, I want to open it right here in real time and read what the Bible actually says. So I'm going to give my help, myself a head start because I know I'm going to look at a passage in First Peter first. Um, so let's read this first tenet of Satanism. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. Now, this is this first tenet is about compassion. So I'm just going to go to one passage of Scripture for this to show that even the first tenet was borrowed from the Christian worldview. First Peter chapter three. Verse 8, and I quote, the word of the Lord says, To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. So let's just see there. Compassion toward all creatures, empathy toward all creatures, this is saying for Christians to live harmonious, to show compassion, to be sympathetic, to have brotherly kindness to one another, to be empathetic to one another, to love one another. So this very first tenet we see just from one passage of Scripture, and I read verse 9 there too, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Uh, but just from those two verses alone, we see that this first tenet was definitely borrowed from the Christian worldview when we think about compassion. Let's read the second one here. The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. So here we talk about 
justice. And, and that's a, a key thing in our world today. A lot of people are seeking justice. So let's just uh, look at a few passages really quickly. And right now I'm turning in my physical copy of my Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm going to look at chapter three and verse 17. So chapter three and verse 17 of the book of Ecclesiastes says this, I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous man and the wicked man for a time for every matter and for every deed is there. So here we see justice that comes from the Lord himself. Just true justice will come from God. God will judge both the wicked and the righteous. And it is not up to us that it should prevail over laws and institutions. Yeah, that's what God is going to do. Although laws and institutions were ordained by God, decreed by God, he will judge according to his righteous standards. So there we see that there will be justice in this world. Let's just flip back to Proverbs chapter 24 really quickly, and let's read a couple of passages there. It's just a couple, a quick turn, Proverbs chapter 24, and I'm going to read verse 24 and 25. And I quote, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, peoples will curse him, nations will abhor him. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight and a good blessing will come upon them. So that is justice. We see justice is going to take place. Uh, This is rooted in the Christian worldview. And just so I don't belabor here, uh, let's go to tenant number three. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. So in other words, our bodies are useful, subject to one's own will alone. Let's just think about the usefulness of our bodies. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. And again, I am just hitting very few uh, very few verses here when I could really go through a lot of the scriptures to kind of point out and show that this, this satanic worldview borrows from the Christian worldview. There's there's really no way to unsee this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, verses 16 and 17. Let's see what this says. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 16 and 17. Maybe you hear those pages rustling. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy And that is what you are. Our bodies are so useful that God calls them the temple of God. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And we should not destroy our bodies because our bodies are useful for the kingdom of God. They're useful to give God glory. They're useful to serve one another. We have to understand that our bodies are meant to serve God and serve others, not to be ripped apart, torn down, or damaged in any kind of way. We we respect our bodies because the Lord lives there and calls it a temple, and we respond accordingly because our bodies are indeed useful. So I wrote this one down as well. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. Now, obviously, the satanic temple would say, glorify yourself and one another and not God. But here we see that our bodies are useful, and we should use them accordingly. So even their distorted view of their body being useful is 
still borrowed from the Christian worldview. Let's go to the number four, the fourth tenet. The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. So here we're talking about the idea of respect. We should respect one another in the satanic worldview. So let's just briefly go to the Gospel of Matthew. You have likely heard this many, many times in your life. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. And I can already hear some of some of the Satanists that will stumble upon this video and uh, and all the comments that, that likely will be in the bottom of this video. And, um, and let me just say, and I'll hit on this again, is they're not going to believe these things because their hearts are darkened. They need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, they will have some nasty things to say, I'm sure. But all we would say back to them is repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And only God can save, not man. This video, uh, we will have a gospel presentation at the end. Uh, but it's only going to be the gospel that is God that saves through the hearing of the gospel. So let's think about respect as it relates to the fourth tenet. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you for this is the law and the prophet. So do unto others as you would have them do unto you respect others because you would like for them to respect you as well. So clear to see there that when we talk about the issue of respecting other people, that this idea is rooted in scripture. I remember all throughout school hearing the golden rule. And when I was young, I didn't realize that the golden rule came from the scripture alone. So from the golden rule, maybe they may, may not admit it, but we have to see that this golden rule, this idea of respect for another person and other people comes directly from the Christian worldview and the word of God. So now let's look at number five. Let's talk about science. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's belief. Now, Here's the problem the satanic movement has is much of science agrees with the Bible and vice versa. So when we think of science, we think of weather, weather patterns. We think of uh, reproduction in animals and human beings. And those are just things that can't be manufactured by us. Right. So when we think about reproduction, now we can do the things that are required for reproduction but we can't go internally in our bodies and make everything align up perfectly for a baby to be produced. Animals can't do it either. It's all by God and ordained by God. When we think about the rain and how everything evaporates and the atmosphere and the, the temperatures in the air and on the ground and all of these things, and how it produces rain or snow or sleet or freezing rain or produces a tornado or anything like that. Those things can't be manufactured in and of themselves. So we see that that God is the one who creates all of these things, and it is God that sustains all of these things. And science is beginning to affirm what the Bible teaches. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, we see this. I mean, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So that here we have God beginning this beginning creation, starting creation from the, the get-go here in Genesis chapter 1, and everything that God created 
he uses in a way that is scientifically being trying to be justified outside of God who creates, but it it can't be because science and the Bible are, are starting to live in harmony together. So even when we think about scientific proof and beliefs in, in one's best scientific understanding of the world, it's funny um, that they say to believe in one's best understanding of the world, yet here in the next one, we see that people are fallible. So you're telling me that you want to um, trust your fallible mind that you, that, that, that the Satanist temple says you do on your best understanding, believe what you will about science. But yet they also affirm that people can make mistakes. So even in their best judgment, they could be mistaken. And when it's anything outside of, the Bible and the Christian worldview, they are in error, therefore are not believing correctly. So number six, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Does this sound familiar? If you're a believer or have ever read the Bible, you'll know it sounds like the word of God. Um, Let's look at Colossians chapter three, verse 13. I'm telling you, that we could go all throughout Scripture and find a ton of verses that would show continually over and over that the satanic worldview borrows from the Christian worldview. And I know I'm, I've said that a lot, but that's that's what's happening here. So 3 verse 13 of Colossians. Let's see what this says together. And I quote. Well, let me I'll tell you what. Let me back up again. I, I meant to back up. Let's start in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Whoop. Well, that went back to number one. We see that compassion is there. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you also. So you should also. Let me just go ahead and read verse 14. Beyond all these things, put on love. This this love that the Satanist worldview would like for you to have comes from the Bible. Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So all of these things we see are definitely coming from a Christian worldview. And I don't want to continue to belabor these points, but let's look at the final tenet. Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. And if you are a believer, you know the, the written word of God is the supreme and final authority. And it's within those pages of scripture that we find true compassion, wisdom, and justice because true compassion, wisdom, and justice comes from God alone. And for anyone in this world to have true, lasting, real compassion, wisdom, and justice, it comes from God, not from our own emotions or our own thoughts. It, even at our best, we fall short clearly. We will hurt people, destroy people's lives, and be just a, a terror because we cannot produce these things in and of them ourselves. And at best, they are flawed because 
even the Satan worldview, Satanic worldview would say that people are fallible. People can make mistakes. So we are flawed individual individuals who will make mistakes. And from the Christian worldview, as it, it, we should just, they should just insert the scripture here. As you have sinned against someone, ask their forgiveness. Make it right. This is simply a Christian worldview transposed or distorted to be something else. This is just humanism at its best, and the first humanist was Satan himself, but even Satan himself had to borrow from a Christian worldview to continue to live the way he has. He knows the Scripture. He knows God, and those that don't know God but believe this will never believe that it is a Christian worldview they're taking from because, again, their hearts are darkened. They're Romans 1 people. They're suppressing the truth that there is a God, and it's it's opening the door to things like this humanistic worldview and this satanic temple making after-school clubs in elementary schools of all places. And I'm sure we will see this in other places as well popping up all over the country, especially after this one has gone so viral that it will just continue to happen. So let's talk about how we got here now as a people. Let's think about how... Christianity is somehow being moved out, especially in the public square and overtaken by different worldviews, satanic worldviews, how we're getting a satanic club meeting in an elementary school of all places. I was just thinking about this this morning as this has gone viral and it's gone viral on, on both hands, right? You got one side of the coin that's, or, or one hand, on one hand, there's people that are loving this. They're they're ecstatic about this. They're looking forward to this. They want them in their own chapter. We read some of the comments, right? But on the other hand, there's a bunch of Christians who are up in arms about this and happening in their own uh, nation and how we got here. And they, they think it's it, it's just terrible that it shouldn't be happening and all of these things, right? So you can imagine the emotions on on, on each side. And there, there, there are some of those that are in the middle who just don't care. Right. But how did we get here? Let's think about how we arrived and how this has happened on our watch, so to speak. And this is where you may get frustrated with me. And I'm okay with that because I feel like I fall into this as well. So if you are frustrated with me, feel free to comment and let me know if you're a believer and you think I'm wrong. I'm, I've been wrong before. But I was reading in my, my Bible this morning, I was in the book of Psalm. And I was in chapter 45, and I was just reading and reading, and this, this passage came along in verses 20 and 21 that made me really stop and think. I even highlighted it in my Bible and had to think about it. But it says this. Let me just read this passage to you. Psalm chapter 45, verse 20 and 21. If we had forgotten the name of our God or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? for he knows the secrets of the heart. And I started thinking about that. And, and in our Sunday school church, in our local uh, Sunday school church, in our Sunday school class, in our local church, um, one of our pastors is teaching through the book of Jeremiah. And in that book, you see the people who have, have just turned to idols. They are worshiping false gods. They're worshiping idols. They're not worshiping the one true God. The same could be said for the people in the day of Malachi, uh, the Israelites just find different gods and different things and idols to worship. 
And when we do that, we turn our back on God. So what does that mean for us? Why did I start thinking about this for the local church and for Christianity in general? Is because I think many churches have forgotten the name of God and have extended their hands to a strange God, or they've made idols. You know, John Calvin says our heart is a, a perpetual factory of idols, right? So I think the church and, and church people, church members, have made idols for themselves even within the church. What I mean by that, we have made going to church an idol in most cases. We have to show up. We got to be there. We got to be seen by people. We This is a Sunday routine. This is a Sunday tradition. We have to show up, be at church, and then go eat lunch and call it a good day, right? So even church attendance has become an idol. I'm here. I'm doing the Lord's work. Uh, everybody see me, right? This is this has become an idol in our society, and it has opened the door for things like the Satanic Temple meeting in elementary schools. What else have we made an idol? Well, we've made um, churches and the buildings themselves an idol. Yeah, we've made the buildings an idol. This is this is my four walls. This is my church. We're going to do everything in the church. And you can be so pure and, and, and just love your church and, and want to be at church and not just to be seen, but because you love church and you listen to the preached word of God, you sing worship songs, you give your offering. But when you leave, you keep everything inside those four walls because that's the church and that's what you do in church, that you don't do anything outside of the church. You see, Christianity has to move outside of the four walls of the church building and into the public square, just like the satanic temple has moved into the public square. There's got to be a light that that just drives out the darkness, but nobody is going into the public square hardly in all of Christianity because we think that church happens in our four-walled uh, four buildings every Sunday and maybe on Wednesday nights if you have a Wednesday night Bible study. So uh, th this is the buildings are themselves an idol. Uh, just attending church have become an idol. We've made doctrine an idol that we would so much rather go and learn doctrine, take that and go into our homes or our offices or our studies. And listen, I love doctrine. Doctrine matters. You, you know that. But we can make doctrine and theology such an idol that all we do is hole up in our offices and in our studies and in our homes and just learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and gain a bunch of head knowledge. But we never take those practical steps into taking what we know to let it translate into the heart and then out with our hands, feet, and mouths. So we can make doctrine and theology even an idol. We can make uh, just about anything an idol. But those are some of the three prevalent ones I see in our day alone that we would much rather debate other believers on secondary and tertiary issues and and spend all of our time doing that and preparing for those things and, and just being uh, constantly in debates about doctrine and theology when we have a lost and dying world that need to hear the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that every debate is bad. Now, if you get into a conversation with someone and, and you're trying to sharpen yourself and maybe even trying to help this other person understand true biblical theology and, and, and see and maybe come out of some sort of um, um, denomination that doesn't believe the true gospel and you're trying to work with that and help that person, that is a beautiful thing to do. And you can do that. Uh, but we spend so much time diving our heads into books and into the Bible, and we forget to let that head knowledge play itself out practically in the world 
while people are dying and going to hell, which again, further opens that door to letting things like this happen. A lot of people want to say, well, they removed prayer from school. That's what happened. Well, how many, how many people are continuing to fight for that? It's like we lay down, we give up, we, we sit on our couches. We don't want to do anything that's too crazy because we don't want to rock the boat too much because nobody's really wanting to get in the boat in the first place. And that's a problem. That is a problem I see that has allowed this to open up and be what it is today. When we think about um, think about it and think about it like this: abortion. How many people are standing out at abortion clinics? How many people are going and trying to change laws? In light of Christianity, there are very few that are doing this, but those very few are making a lot of racket. So if we were pushing in on our school boards and pushing in on the public square with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not our head knowledge, not how how smart we are, not how awesome we are, not how many times we go to church every year, but taking the true gospel of Jesus Christ out into the public square, I think we would begin to see that door beginning to shut because this world needs the gospel. It doesn't need to know how many uh, how many secondary and tertiary issues you are a professional at knowing and talking through. This world needs the simple, plain, humble gospel of Jesus Christ to this dying world. The, the school boards, they don't need to hear how mad you are about this. They need to hear the gospel and be called to repentance and faith. That's one of the things that when people go into these school board meetings and, and they just push and push and push, it's usually about how awful they are, how bad they are, how uh, everything that's happening is is not uh, well accepted. But how many people are going in there and causing calling people to repentance and faith in these school board meetings? That is something that is not happening as much as it should. We need more and more people that are willing to go into their offices on Monday through Friday, their places of work, their their warehouse jobs, their manufacturing jobs, their whatever job they have, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because these Satanists are amongst us. So we can't just wait till this event happens and go pick it or 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 I mean we can do those things. We can be there at at uh, Chimney Rock Elementary School on January 10th, and we can we can proclaim the gospel from the sidewalk and do those things. We can do those things, but I think it needs to be happening well before events like this, before they come to fruition. And these Satanists and people that don't know God that are going to show up and bring their kids to this after-school program, they need to hear the gospel, and they're in our workplaces. They're in Walmart. They're in the parks, they're in the gyms at school. They play ball with your kids. They uh, they sit with you every day, and you may not know a single thing about them because the gospel is not a primary issue in your life. And it's things like this these uh, these idols that we've made, church attendance, um, just church itself, the building itself, uh, the the doctrine and theology itself. We've made these these are just three. Maybe you can think of some more that we've made idols, but we've taken these things, made them idols, and the gospel is just over here, just waiting for someone to just pick it up and run with it because the Bible says, how can they believe without hearing? Hearing comes by, uh, or faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So the gospel must be preached. So who's to blame for this? I think many professing Christians are to blame for this because many professing Christians are, are just sitting back and doing nothing. There are many professing Christians who are no Christian at all. 
And I know that may ruffle some feathers, but how many times have you seen people that profess Christ not live anything like him in their everyday lives outside of church? So for us to get upset about this satanic thing happening at an elementary school, we have to take the gospel seriously. What are we going to do with it? We're going to sit back and say, well, my faith is a personal matter and it's just between me and God. No, it's not because God has called you to go. God has called you to make disciples. God has called you to be an ambassador for Christ and plead and implore with people to be reconciled to God through repentance and faith. You don't have to be the best speaker. Moses wasn't the best speaker, but God used him. He found somebody that could could, could help him. Uh, I mean, maybe it's somebody at work that you can trust and know, and you say, hey, can you translate this to this person and tell them it's coming from me <laughs> if you want to? Um, you don't have to be the best speaker. You have to be submissive. You have to humble yourself and be submissive and preach and teach the word of God to this lost and dying world. Think about those teachers and principals and school board members who are amongst believers every single day, and they never hear the word of the Lord. They never hear the gospel. People aren't willing to be bold. People aren't willing to go and start that conversation because it's, an, it's uncomfortable at times. But God didn't call us to be uncomfortable. He called us to be ferocious for the word, ferocious for the gospel. So we must stop sitting back, doing nothing. And then when something happens that we don't agree with, being up in arms about it and saying, oh, my goodness, what is happening here? I think Christians are just as much to blame as the Satanists are and the school board is. And I know that's not a, a popular thing to say, but we've got to get outside the four walls of the church. We've got to begin to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and pray that God would save many as we preach his word and are obedient to the proclamation of the gospel. So that is my take on this whole issue. So let's just recap really quickly. One, there is a satanic club happening at Chimney Rock Elementary School in Memphis, Tennessee, or uh, I think it was, was it Cordova or Covington, one of the two, either way, in, in, the, in the Shelby County School District. On January 10th, we went through the tenets, the seven tenets of Satanism, and we realized, and I hope you realize, that Satanism and humanism has to borrow from the Christian worldview for, for their tenets to make sense. They don't come up with anything new. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. So this humanistic, satanic worldview comes from the Christian worldview. And finally, we talked about many Christians being to blame, not all, but many Christians, professing Christians, I'll say, being to blame for what is taking place in our world and at Chimney Rock Elementary School because we have sat back too long and not proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how long will it be before there's one in your city? Is there going to be one in Jonesboro, Arkansas? Well, this is the, the, the land of churches here. I hope we don't see this. We've already had a battle at our public library where kids can get a hold of sexual material in the books on their age level. Um, and I don't know how that turned out. I can't remember exactly what happened. I probably should have, but uh, it's been a couple of years ago, but or a year ago or so. But anyway, uh, what, what, what's going to happen when it comes to your neck of the woods? Prepare now. Preach the gospel now to everywhere, anybody you see. Ask God to give you those opportunities, and I promise you they'll they'll show up, and you'll have a, a great conversation about the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't be worried about what to say. Read your Bible, study the Bible, and know the Bible, and God will give you the words to say. So 
for those that may stumble upon this and say, well, I'm a Satanist and uh, you're wrong and, and all of these, I would just simply say, repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we are all born with a sin nature. We are all prone to wander and sin and live according to the desires of ourself that we are willing to do whatever it takes, whatever makes us feel good, whatever we want to do, because we are at war with God and we need to be reconciled to him and we're running from him. But God, we hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. So when we hear the gospel and that is the good news of Jesus Christ, God can save us and we repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and specifically believe that we are sinners. And if we've committed one sin, if we've told one lie, if we have if we have lusted, if we have hated someone, Jesus says even hate in our own heart is murder. So we have broken all of God's laws when we break one. We are a sinner headed straight to hell, and we will pay for our sin if we die with eternity in hell. But God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world who lived a perfect life, who was captured, he was beaten, and he was nailed to a cross where he died, and he died the death that we deserved. But God sent his son that whoever believes in his son would receive everlasting life, not everlasting damnation. You see, you are headed to everlasting damnation, but if you would repent That is to change your mind, to turn from your sin and believe that Jesus Christ came, died. He was buried and three days rose again. He ascended back and is seated at the right hand of God. If you believe in Christ alone, then the Bible says you will be saved and you will enter the kingdom of God. And when you pass from this earth, you will be with Christ. You will be with him forever. So uh, simply put, repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're in the comments and you, you hate what I'm saying, you don't like it, then I would just simply say your heart is darkened and repent. You're not going to hurt my feelings with what you say. You're not going to change my mind because I am saved by grace through faith, and it is God who will preserve me, and I will persevere until the very end when I will hear, well, good, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that is not a, a haughty expression. That is a humble expression because I know who I am. I know who I've been, and I belong to God through Christ Jesus alone. And I pray that you would be saved as well. So if you have any questions about salvation, maybe you're seeking, maybe you're struggling, maybe you don't know exactly what you believe. I would love for you to reach out to this podcast. It's at my email address. It's doctrine matters podcast, all lowercase doctrine matters podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And as always feel free to leave comments. Uh, But I do think that uh, there are many professing Christians who are to blame for what's happening and unfolding in our world today. I'd love to hear from you and uh, pray that you would be saved by grace through faith as well, by repenting of your sin and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, God bless.